Welcome to the Words in Mind pandemic podcast, keeping you company while we are all stuck indoors. Hi listeners, this is just a quick note to let you know that because this episode is commemorating Trans Day of Remembrance, we will be talking about topics like hate crime, bullying, violence, racism and discrimination, particularly transphobia. I would encourage you to take good care of yourself during this episode and I hope that by sharing these stories and by facing up to some of these issues, we could make next year a safer, kinder year for everybody involved. On to the episode. So welcome everybody to the Words in Mind Pandemic podcast. And I'm here for a special episode on the Trans Day of Remembrance, which is happening on the 20th of November this year, as it happens each year. Um, I'm here with a lovely group of people who have come to share a little bit about the work that they're doing for the trans community and talk about what Trans Day of Remembrance means to them. And so I am going to hand over. Um, Rebecca, would you like to introduce yourself? Um, hello, my name is Rebecca McManus. I'm a trust equality and diversity practitioner for Leeds Teaching Hospitals and work in the equality and diversity team um, within that organisation and here to support the group with all protective characteristics and as Heather's clearly said today we are focusing on um, TDAR, Trans Day of Remembrance. Great, thank you. And Sosha? Right, my name's Shirsra Amathea. I work for the Department for Work and Pensions. Um, I'm West Yorkshire's regional uh, district diversity and inclusion officer, but I'm also national trans ambassador for the DDBP. So I work with employers and other government departments doing trans training and developing trans policies and practices. And I live just the other side of Leeds. I live near Haworth. But my links to Leeds are very strong. I work with Leeds Teaching Hospital Trust, Leeds Mental Health Trust and various Leeds organisations on, on doing trans training and developing trans policies. Great, thank you. And Melanie? Hi, my name is Melanie Hardwick. I'm a volunteer with the Leeds Gender Service based at the Newsroom Centre. Also a member of Rainbow Alliance and I help the NHS with its equality and diversity training and talking to people about being trans. Fantastic, thank you. And Reese. Hi, uh, my name's Reese. I am a mental health nurse working uh, for the Leeds and York Partnership Foundation Trust uh, and also one of the co-founders of the Rainbow Alliance along with Kate with Kate Ward, who also works for the Trust. And um, Melanie and Shiosa have um, done some work with us um, and are both uh, fully paid up members of the Alliance. Uh, we don't pay them, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and really, I'm so glad that we're all here to uh, ensure that Trans Day of Remembrance doesn't pass us by. 
and we do something to ensure that we commemorate and that we um, talk about some of the issues uh, and reasons uh, that Trans Day of Remembrance is so important. Thank you so much for, for joining us. I'm, I'm really pleased to have you all here because I think there's just going to be um, a wealth of knowledge and experience. And um, I, although I'm, I'm very interested in, in trans rights, I've not been aware of Trans Day of Remembrance. So this episode has been a great chance to do a bit of research and learn about it. So I wondered if anybody wanted to tell me a little bit about what Trans Day of Remembrance is. <laughs> you need to direct that shall I go first <laughs> go for it I'm happy for people just to jump in we're very relaxed on this podcast silence. I'm seeing who's keenest <laughs> yeah Trans Day of Remembrance is the original in many respects day to mark the trans community um, and only 10 years after it did Trans Day of Visibility start and that began because it was realised that the one day that the trans community had was actually to commemorate community members who have been murdered throughout the previous 12 months, quite often in very gruesome ways um, and always measuring in the hundreds, which doesn't sound very much, but given how small our community is, it's a large number of our community get murdered every year. And one special feature of Trans Day of Remembrance is we usually light a candle or have some uh, symbolism to remember the number of trans people who take their own lives every year because, not just because of the gender dysphoria that they're struggling with, but because of the societal rejection, the violence, the day-to-day -day microaggressions that trans people face in their everyday lives just become too much and uh, they end up taking their own life. Yeah, um, I think when I did my research into the origins of, of the Day of Remembrance, I was struck by um, how violent systems can be around trans people and um how many deaths are either not recorded or are not acknowledged or are not marked um and, and i was really struck by by how the number we have is probably a low number compared to what the reality probably is of the number of people we lose every year um does anybody want to say a little bit about how um, Trans Day of Remembrance began or um, the people that were involved in starting it? I'll go again, shall I? Please do. <laughs> it, it, it was began, I believe, in 1999 as a commemoration for the death of a trans woman, Rita Hester. Uh, and begun by one of her friends, a, a trans activist, um, who felt that the, her life and her achievements shouldn't uh, be forgotten. And from that small beginning in Minnesota, I believe it was, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to stand corrected on that, 
Um, but uh, that out of that grew Trans Day of Remembrance on November the 20th every year. And uh, over time, it's become a, a, a national uh, day of remembrance. Mm, and I had a look at, at Rita, the person that Rita was, because I think we were talking about it earlier. I know Melanie acknowledged that sometimes statistics, um, they don't really cut through. It's easy to hear a number and not think about the person. But I, I wanted to kind of look at who Rita was. And when I looked into the things that her family and her loved ones said about her, um, she was this tall beautiful queen a friend of hers said she was a little sweetheart she was a real nice person um she had exotic animals she kept a boa constrictor and an iguana as a pet she loved ice skating she loved to travel to greece she went there quite often um she had a really messy sociable welcoming home she was a host and her nephew tofik who she called um, ragamuffin would visit her and he would say I remember this beautiful person walking through these doors and coming to girls and the music would be blasting and you could hear the music outside most of the time um, and she had a friend called Wynne and Wynne said about meeting her they met in a bar um, and Wynne I think was a bar member of staff who had um, kind of told off and kicked out a few people who were being transphobic towards Rita and Wynnard said you meet your best friend in life and as soon as you meet them it's like you've known them your whole life and you just hang out it's very normal and comfortable and we had that right away and it was really nice and just those little snippets I could find from articles from her friends and family really you know made me think of a woman who was really living a very full life and, and loved people and was very loved and when I read about the way the police had treated um, her murder they had misgendered her as a John Doe and then the press had misgendered her and Rita's family had got in touch with the press to correct them but that misgendering continued and I read an article that said that because the police and the crime statistics don't acknowledge people's gender aside from what they were assigned at birth the number we have for people who are sort of murdered trans people will be lower because people will be recorded as whichever gender they were assigned at birth regardless of what their families have to say and regardless of the lives that they were living so I think it it, it was really moving to read about the person that Rita was and there will be so many other readers out there <laughs> that this day really marks. So given that I didn't know this day existed a few months ago, it, um, it really moved me to, to kind of learn about it. And one thing that will resonate with the Rita's death was that the fact that nobody's been brought to book for it, nobody's been charged, mm. uh, not a full investigation was done. And I think if you look at some of the statistics that there are nowadays regarding the deaths of people throughout the world, a lot of the cases are unsolved. So nothing's really, really changed in, in, in 21 years yeah. um, throughout the world that people are still being murdered for being who they are. So, And again, it's worth noting that Rita was a, a person of colour and I think her murder happened within a year or two of the Matthew Shepherd. Um, hate crime and that was a murder but again the way that 
that society talks about um, people of colour who are trans is very different and the way that they're mourned is, is very different, which, you know, is really unjust. So, yeah. So what does Trans Day of Remembrance mean to you as individuals and perhaps to the work that you do? Does anyone want to talk a little bit more about that? I'd like to talk a little bit more about your recounting of uh, Rita because to me what it speaks of when I was listening to that and and I I know uh, a number of instances obviously like that is quite often trans people and trans women in particular Mm. are demonised as some kind of sexual pervert, sexual aggressor and what what that story of Rita's life speaks to is the fact that we're ordinary people with our hopes Mm. and our dreams and our loved ones and our families. We're no different to anybody else except we were born or certainly at a young age that you might as well say be born as as trans, uh, transgendered. Yet because of that fact, we're targets for hate, lies, distortions, discrimination, and unfortunately, in the worst instances, murder. And I think more people need to realise that. Trans people don't have two heads. Yes, we do have our sinners as well as our saints. We're a community like any other community, but just because one trans person commits a crime, doesn't mean all trans people commit crimes. And as a community, we're far more likely to be attacked than do any kind of attacking. It's just not prevalent within the trans community. And and there's so many lies that lead to the murder of the Esters of this world that we need to stop the demonization of the trans community. That's quite true. The um, the facts speak for themselves in in respect to that, but it's not for the press and everybody. It's it's not good reading. It's not good reading for people to look at trans people as being the norm or being normal in some respects. It's it's better that they're oh that's that person who raped that girl in in, in prison because the trans uh, or something like that. And they pick on those sort of it's glorified headlines that do more damage than anything that they could put about us. They could could write for 364 days a year all good stuff about trans people, but if they write one article demeanising us, then that does more damage than anything that else they can do. Um, The trans statement means to me that it, it just makes me pause and think that it's those people who died It's okay to be emotional. Mm-hmm. They died for a cause, if, if that's the right way to put it, that their life cut short is, is not going to be missed. It's going to be recognised and that people like people with equality and diversity backgrounds will remember them um, and remember the next ones that are going to come along 
because it, it's going to carry on and on and on until we we stand up and fight against the people that are doing this and educate them. And the more education we can do, even if out of one training session, one person takes away a bit of information that they didn't know or understand and changes their perception of trans people, that's another person that can help us to educate somebody else. And I feel that as a trans person, I have a duty to do that. Um, because all these other people can't. Yeah. That's right, Melanie, totally. The, those of us that can stand up and, and, have, and will stand up have to stand up. Some, some people say to me sometimes, well, why don't you make more effort to pass as a, as a cis woman? And I always say to them, if every trans person ever passes, then how can the non-trans community ever get used to being around trans people? Some of us have to stand up, some of us have to be out, and some of us have to be campaigning. But it has to be a choice, because I'm sure Melanie will confirm it's, it's a tough choice because you do become a target. I mean, I, I don't know about Melanie's experiences, but I've had stones thrown at me, slate thrown at me, surrounded by gangs of yews, threatened. I've even been stabbed at with a knife once, and it luckily it's a, it a can of pot that was in my back over my shoulder. Um, and people don't realise the level of aggression that trans people face daily. So I fully acknowledge and accept and understand the trans people that do pass get on with their lives and live a full life, not engaging with the trans community. But for those of us that can and are willing to, I think it's important that Melanie does the work, sort of work that she does uh, in, in being out there and letting non-trans people, cis people, get used to being around trans people and realizing that we're just human beings trying to get on like everybody else. Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've suffered abuse in the past. Um, when I was younger, a lot younger, I've suffered many times, being chased down the streets by gangs and and things. Um, growing up in the seventies, you know, it was it was the the thing that happened. Um, but even recently, I've been called out in a pub. Um, doesn't embarrass me. It, it should embarrass the other person more than it embarrasses me. And when you when you talk quietly to these people um, and put them in the place, then they feel very very small and and humble that people can actually speak to them in a in a proper way, and not have to resort to violence. But on the other side, it's only three years ago that my friend was assaulted in a pub uh, in Harrogate, and it was. They thought it was absolutely funny to pull off a wig and, and, and throw it on the floor and laugh at her. But the beauty of that, what, that one incident was the, the love that was shared by other people that, mm. that stepped forward and showed just how in the minority these people are. Mm. And that <clears throat> when people do stand up against harassment and abuse, it can be put to, to right, and um, 
But yeah, it's, it, it goes on in various forms. Some people get upset that they get stared at for being trans because they don't pass. Mm. But so what if you don't pass? It doesn't make any difference. You're a human being. It doesn't matter whether you've what you look like, what clothes you wear, it doesn't make any difference. So long as you're kind and considerate to the person next to you and to other people, that's all that the, the matters. So whether somebody passes is irrelevant. Mm. It doesn't matter whether you're wearing trousers, a skirt, a smock, a hijab. It doesn't make any difference who you are. It's the person behind. It's what's inside in your heart that really, really matters. And if that comes across and you can get that message out, then I'm sure in time, it may take a lot of time. It won't, I don't think it'll happen in my lifetime, but it has moved a long way in the last five or six years. And I think people are beginning, because it becomes, it becomes more prominent. And I think people are willing to stand up and, be, and, and put themselves out there and, and put themselves on that pedestal that the people of the trans community can come out and can be proud of who they are and not be afraid and stand up to these people. And I would say, listening to that, you know, somebody who's a member of the LGBT community, a gay man, um, and, you know, and I feel that we are a community together and therefore I need to stand with you, um, you know, I have to do that because we are a community and that's what we do. We look out for each other. So that's why I'm here. That's why it massively matters to me as a trans ally. Um, and hearing about some of these stories, you know, is, is traumatic and difficult, but I'm really glad that we're talking about this and getting it um, across. So thank you, Melanie and Chiosa, you know, and I totally stand with you. I, I mean, I, I totally appreciate that, Reese. but like I always say when I'm, I'm giving talks and people talk about, well, LGB, T. T isn't a sexuality, it's gender identity, which is right. But the LGBT community is so much bigger than that. Um, yeah. The LGBT community has always stood together. The Stonewall riots, for goodness sake, were started by two trans women of colour. Um, the communities have always fought side by side because we face similar oppressions, you know, we face similar barriers coming out, the social rejection, the family rejection. There's far, far, far more that unites us than divides us, and I think there always will be. And, it, and what you've said about the LGB and T community, that's why I mentioned earlier when we were chatting before, and the, the progress flag that the TUC LGBT committee have adopted rather than just the pride flag, because that is a, a, a unison of the pride flag, the trans flag, and very importantly, acknowledges people of colour as well within that flag. Um, obviously, we talked about Rita, um, but with the, the number of black 
trans women that get murdered every year, particularly in the United States, is horrendous. People, the murders in Latin America of Latino trans trans women, some of the murders there and how the women are murdered, they're, they're, they're barbaric. And we need to acknowledge uh, that we have a commonality as people, as minorities, that we do face similar aggressions. And when I read the Black Lives Matters homepage, and on its homepage, it talks about mm. the murder of trans women. Yeah. Well, like with the LGB community and Stonewall campaigning for trans rights, these, these, this commonality, this intersectionality is so important. I will always call out and amplify the voices of the black community, not just on black issues, but on black trans women and the black trans women that are being murdered and not investigated in the United States. It needs to stop and it needs to stop now. It needs to stop against everybody. But that, I mean, during, I mentioned earlier when we were chatting, during Pride Month this year, Pride Month, for goodness sake, five Afro-Caribbean trans women were murdered in the United States. The last time I saw the statistics this year, 29 black trans women have been murdered in the United States. You think, come on, for a small community, that is horrendous. But yes, thank you, Reese. But I, 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 I appreciate what you said from the LGB uh, and T Alliance, and, and it's right. I, I, like you, I'm a solid believer in LGBT will always be LGBT. Absolutely. And I would hope that as a, as a kind of privileged community of, of cisgendered people, that we start to, to really become outspoken allies, because I think... And I feel really honoured to hear your experiences and that you've been vulnerable enough to want to, to share them and trust that they'll be heard. But um, to hear that there's a, a, a pressure to pass, to be judged and found acceptable or not, and that womanhood or manhood is something that other people adjudicate or punish... I mean, that really feels horrendous because I do think, I mean, I could only speak from my experience as a, as a cis woman, um, that it, it has been marked by violence and by vulnerability. And yet, you know, I have a power and a privilege in UK society that, that you don't, that is denied you by trans, transphobia. And I think any kind of womanhood is womanhood and should be celebrated and it shouldn't be about what people look like and what they wear or what names they choose for themselves or their pronouns or I think this idea that cis womanhood needs gatekeepers and that you need to pass that sounds so destructive and painful and it's not how I would experience womanhood or how I would judge other women trans women or not so I I think we and I'm speaking for me and I suppose people women in my position we have a lot of work to do 
because <laughs> it shouldn't yeah. just be lgb should it it shouldn't just be the minority sticking up for each other or the people that we push out having to band together it should be everybody yeah we each other because um as a a white heterosexual cis member of the community um it's about us not standing by and feeling sorry for communities it's about us taking responsibility and yeah. actually taking action and using that privilege in a positive way um and just reflecting on what you've you've said melanie and Theresa, is trans day remembrance not only is it commemorating those people that have been taken from us but also about exactly what you said it's about acknowledging what's happening here and now and the violence that people are facing on a day-to-day basis and what can we do to action that and to prevent it from happening and continuing. We want, we want a positive outlook for the whole community. Um, and in terms of looking from healthcare, because healthcare is where I work, is making sure that those experiences within the hospital or, or any kind of healthcare service are positive experiences. Um, both how people are treated but also on the healthcare side of things as well and make sure people are getting exactly what they need and not just as a patient but also as a member of staff so making sure we're providing the right environment for our trans staff or trans visitors Um, everyone um, is equally important and I think like what you've demonstrated is is microaggressions are there on a day-to-day basis and we need to be making people aware of the impact that's having. So to listen to your stories, it makes it real. It's not just a headline story in a paper. This is real people's lives and the impact it's having. It's so important that that comes across because people need to see what these actions are doing to people. It's And especially hearing the emotions come out, um, it does make me feel really emotive and it makes me even more want to to support this cause and make sure people know that we're there to support. Um, So yeah, again, reiterating what both Heather and Lisa said, um, I think it's really powerful that we're doing this podcast and in particular, Melanie and Sirsa, hearing your side, hearing your stories and what you've had to face in the past and what you have to face now and people need to hear it it's got to be out there and it's got to be heard yeah it's um i i i apologize for getting emotional don't Um, i just can't help it but um there's a lot of good out there. There's a lot of good people. Um, when I transitioned, my boss, I told my boss, and it, the first words he said to me when I showed him my my deed pull, I'd changed my name. His first comment to me was, how can I help? Now, I mean, these things, when, you, when you're first coming out and you're trying to pass, if that's the right word, or you're trying to fit into society, or you want to be who you want to be, for those sort of words to come out of your boss's mouth and, and back you up and support you 100%, that goes a long, long way and it helps people like myself. And it's helped me personally to overcome some of the prejudices that have made me a stronger person. Um, 
that I can go out there along with people like Chaucer and spread the word and educate people and stand up for the people that can't stand up for themselves. Um, they're afraid to come out of the house, have to look around the curtains to see if there's anybody in the street before they come out dressed. Um, afraid to go in a pub or afraid to go out and socialise with other people. It needs people like us and the LGB community out there with us. I'll start again. Um, right. To show support, and not only show support for trans, but trans people to show support for LGB people as well. Because not only are trans people being subjected to violence and hatred and, and, and abuse, but so are LGB people as well. And, and it's not right that people get abused for living their lives for being who they are. And, um, and that's the same as well for people of colour. Yeah. Uh, and while the trans community is small, the LGBT black community is small. Well, the trans black community is small as well. So it makes it even, that, the figures are even worse when you look at it in that respect. And I'm guessing the barriers to healthcare as well. I mean, I remember going to visit a South Asian um, women's group, support group, and we took a translator and the mental health services were like, why are these women not engaging? And I'm like, well, once they sh what they shared with me very generously was that they had exactly the same health challenges that they wanted to deal with but there was no transport there was no interpreter there was no single sex group provision so that that's why they weren't engaging they had fantastically good reasons we mm -hmm. weren't making it safe for them and we just hadn't thought about it because we thought well as white western people you could just come to our setup because we've set up for us we've not set up for you we've not welcomed you and i think that must be if you if people don't feel safe to access health care that must make life so much more unsafe from a physical point of view. And as a member of the health community, yeah, as a mental health nurse, that's massively important. And one of the reasons that we set up the Rainbow Alliance in our uh, trust was to say to LGB and trans people, you are welcome. Mm. It's not just, oh, you're accepted or... Um, you know, it's you are welcome and please come and, and change things together. Um, that's, you know, I, the work that um, we've done, um, you know, Melanie and Shiosa, and also reaching across to LTHT as well, Rebecca, you know, it's for me, it's so important um, because that's about us standing up um, and changing things together. Just to pick up on something that kind of melds what Bees and Melanie have said, the uh, about allies and the importance of allies. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in a very privileged position for a number of reasons, but one of them is the job I do. I mentioned earlier that I'm National Diversity Ambassador for the DWP. 
I work with employers, large and small, from housing associations through to uh, Great Western Railways on the, on the development of their trans policy. And I know that there's a whole host of organisations, of local government, things like NHS trusts, that are really wanting to be proactive on trans inclusivity, that there are very, very, very good allies out there. The problem that we have and where uh, I see a lot of the source of the transphobia coming from, that's, uh, I mean, the UK at the moment is horrendous for, for transphobia. And it's because there's a very small vocal minority that are claiming victimhood themselves that are supported by the media and by the press and they're putting out the stories about trans women being unsafe in toilets and trans women should be banned from women's safe spaces even though there's absolutely no statistics showing that trans women are a danger in women's safe spaces none and there's plenty of stats to show that trans women are more likely to be attacked for example in women's toilets um, for being there but but what that does what that whole campaign does is it makes being a trans woman in public in society virtually impossible just to give you one example i like going to rock nightclubs if I go to a nightclub with my friends, there's alcohol around, you need to use the toilet. Mm. What do I do? Do I go to do I go to the ladies' toilet and risk being assaulted in the ladies' toilet by somebody who thinks I shouldn't be there? Do I go to the gents? Absolutely not. I mean, that is very dangerous. I, will I get assaulted coming out of the ladies by, by a partner of somebody who's seen me coming out of there? So he kind of said, well, do I even bother going out? Uh, uh, and one of the not very often mentioned things about the trans community and trans women in particular is a lot of us have incontinence problems weak bladders and it's nothing to do with the surgery or anything like that it's the fact that we hold ourselves and won't go to the toilet in public because we're scared bottom line we're scared and that's in the uk and all these all these lies about us and how dangerous we are and sexual perverts. I mean, to go take it back to Tidor, this year, a woman in Puerto Rico went into a McDonald's. She used the toilet. A woman in there accused her of using a mirror to look over the stall into the next toilet. The police were called. No mirror was found. And in the end, the woman admitted it actually hadn't happened. So the trans woman was released. Some young men who saw that incident followed that young trans woman out of the toilets, tracked her across the town, and then videoed as they beat her up and laughingly shot her 10 times, murdering her. And there's been no arrests. And then these people in the UK say, we're not actually advocating violence against trans people. 
thinking, yes, you are. You're coming out with the ideology that leads those street thugs to murder that Puerto Rican woman just for using a toilet. And it dehumanises people. Yes. When you dehumanise someone, it's easier to harm them because you've removed your empathy with them. I mean, I think I've been really disheartened to see that kind of campaigning against um, trans rights and the Gender Recognition Act. Mm. You know, that was a terrible disappointment. Um, as a woman, <laughs> I often feel unsafe, but that's because we live in a society that's violent. And I've never had the experience of a cisgendered man attacking me in a toilet, although I've had that experience of being attacked by a cisgender man in other places. I kind of don't really believe a cisgender man would need to impersonate a woman and enter a toilet in order to commit yeah. violence and I feel like focusing on that scenario it kind of doesn't address what we're talking about which is systemic violence against vulnerable people whether that's because of who someone assumes you are or whether that's just because they have the opportunity or because rates of conviction for violent assault and rape are so low in the UK regardless of the gender of the victim. So I, I've been really um, angered and disheartened to see that kind of campaigning, not just because it dehumanises you, but also because I don't think it does justice to cis women either, really. <laughs> I just think it's massively unhelpful. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm really pleased you brought that up because no one in the trans community is denying the misogyny and violence against yeah. cis women. It's very real and it's endemic in our society. And it's ironic that one of the iconic photographs of Sylvia Rivera and Martha P. Johnson, the two black women I mentioned earlier in the Stonewall riots, shows the two of them under an umbrella. But it's often cut... And the yeah. reason it's caught is they're actually on the picket line in the 1970s of a feminist march for women's rights. Trans women have campaigned for women's rights essentially from day one. We've stood side by side with our sisters for women's rights and women's safety. And now a very small privileged section of the feminist movement have decided to attack trans women or because of our gender identities and trans women and cis women have fought side by side for women's rights for far too long and that and and that's reflected when you look say at, at pride marches and things like that where you've got cis women up and down the march carrying trans flags and saying, I love my trans girlfriend and things like that. There is that unity there in the vast majority of the feminist movement, the trans movement. And that goes back to what I said about mm. it's a small minority that for ideological reasons are causing a very dangerous situation for trans mm. people, very dangerous. And it, it's going to end up leading to murders if, they, if they're not. It's already, we know, because of the pressures leading to suicide, but it could lead to murders in the UK because mm -hmm. the level, I mean, look how the hate crime against trans people has gone up in the last few years. 
it, it skyrocketed. And that's not coincidental that it's coincided with the launch of these campaigns, vilifying and demonizing um, trans women. I mean, just one last, because I know that there's been a big thing oh, in the last couple of days, you may have seen it about a statue dedicated on, in honor of Mary Wollstonecraft, but it's actually a naked woman. Mm. Now, what of, and it's caused a lot of issues, but one of the groups that's photographed that and is using it is one of these anti-trans groups and they've draped it with definition of a woman as an adult human female, which is a trans dog whistle. But the irony of that is, is Mary Wollstonecraft knew the Chevalier Dion, an 18th century trans person. They were part of the same radical group along with Thomas Paine, who wrote Vindication of the Rights of Man and was co-author of the American uh, Constitution. And Mary Wollstonecraft, who knew the Chevalier, wrote The Vindication of the Rights of Women, one of the foundational texts of modern feminism. And in it, she cites the Chevalier Dion as a woman of extraordinary determination, a heroine of the women's movement. And and that was published in, in 1792, I think, something like that. So to say trans women are A, a modern phenomenon, and B, that we haven't had links with the feminist movement, how far back do you want to go than Mary Wollstonecraft's vindication of the rights of women? Mm. Absolutely. And I'll try and put some, some links in the show notes to, um, you know, trans people's history and the fact that there have always been trans people in the world as long as there's been people. This is not like a new, I hear that and it's like, it's a new fad. And I'm like, well, it's quite a dangerous one for people to be <laughs> dangerous and expensive. And, you know, um, it's I do, sorry. sorry, I was just going to say, I do, would encourage people when you see transphobic um, statements on social media, report it you don't always have to challenge it but report it because the more of us that report it the less acceptable it's going to be for platforms to keep hosting it they need to know that we don't want to see that i've seen it on some bizarre topics that did not appear to be trans linked to me um you know and i i do i i always report those posts because i just think the more visible it is the more entrenched it will become Mm-hmm. I also, oh, sorry, Reese. No, you've been waiting. You go yeah. first. <laughs> oh, thank you. I won't. Be, uh, I think. I mean, I think it's a really good point, Shosa, about you know, it's a continuum, isn't it? From the microaggressions to the murder mm. continuum, and I think that's what we have to um, stand up about. Um, is that, as you say, you know, the the same kind of dangerous ideology then, you know, results and can result in people being murdered. And I think we always have to think that, you know. When, um, Sersa, when you were saying that you have some privileges in terms of the work you do, um, personally, I think we're the ones that are privileged to have you support us because looking at the the training we we offer people in our organization and and looking at those microaggressions i mean obviously we're looking at tdor and people whose lives are taken but we don't want to take away that um that focus away from those microaggressions that can happen in any situation in any working environment for a member of staff or a patient or 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 out there and anywhere in in society 
and also that so when when you want to make those improvements within an organization I, I think it's so important that you have input from lived experiences so you very much support us in writing our policies in making sure we're getting things right in improving our services and I just think it's an important message to get out there that while we want everyone to make improvements to to get that input from the trans community and to not make those decisions ourselves on what we think would be right and what we think would be the right steps to take. So for us, self is is where the privilege ones because you are helping us effectively provide a better service for the community that they deserve. Um, so I think it's a good point to make out there for people to get the input from the trans community and making sure they have that involvement in making those decisions. Well, thank you for saying that, but um, I stand by what I said. I, I, I view it as a privilege and, and I always thank the organisations that invite me in because that's the way life will be made easier for trans people, like people like yourself and Reese and others inviting trans people, not just me, trans people in to help them understand provision for trans people and what the lives of trans people are like but without the invites from yourself and, and the allyship that wouldn't be possible so I think it's six to one and a half the dozen the other shall we leave it at that sorry when you were talking about it's around educating people and like Heather you've said for people to report something if they see it or to take action and stand up but I think there's a lot of education needed for people to realise the impact it's having um, and the way forward is educating people that those, those, those negative media stories that go out, what is that actually doing to the trans community? And so if they have that education to know that, then hopefully we would encourage more people to stand up, be an ally and report um, or, or stand in or support our trans community. Um, I think you know a lot of education is needed even for those who, who want to make a difference from the word go we still lack knowledge in so many areas that we we've just got to build on that and build on that and not lose sight of the fact that um, there's so much to learn and I've learned so much already in the years I've been doing this job that I wouldn't say for any reason there's so much more that I need to learn and want to learn I just wanted to emphasize how how good the education is and, and how we need to make people realize even if they're not causing the abuse can they help be the person to prevent it mm. yeah i think it's important the, the the there's a there's a triangle of risk of thoughts that says that um, for every minor incident there's there's a serious incident or a more serious and then you get to the top you get to murder and it's proven fact that these triangles of, of risk so actually uh, are accurate in some respects. So stopping, stopping a transgression at an early stage where it's a small piece of verbal abuse may not sound like a lot, but really what happens is because they then become educated, they don't go on to the next step and the next step and then they think it's all right. So, oh, well, okay, so... I've been abusive, but then I'll be shouting be abusive, and then what I'll do is I'll punch that person in the face, and then next thing is I'll kick them, or I'll stab them, and then next thing is they're murdered. So 
getting it started uh, to stop people really early is very, very important. And the work that Chaucer does and the Rainbow Alliance and yourself and everybody else that spends time with trans people, understanding what it's like to be trans, what fears they have, is, is, a, is a massive, massive impact on, on people understanding of, of the, the fears and that people have. Because let's be right about it. I mean, I still get fears and, and frightened occasionally walking out. Um, mm. And on the second aspect of, of being of being female now is is I have that I've never understood it before as a female what it was like to to have that fear of going out. But that's an added impact for me, being trans and female. I now fear it twice in some respects, so I have to I have to be very very careful about where I go. What not not where I go, but when I go somewhere, I'm looking for the person, or I might be scanning in the room thinking, who is who's going to be a problem? Um, and that I mean, what a society we're living when you're a trans person, you've got to do with that. It's just it's frightening, really. Where will it end? When will it end? And I guess it robs you of your peace. I mean, I looked at the stats that came out from, so these came out from YouGov and from Stonewall in the UK. So these are looking at people in the UK. So at least two in five people had experienced an incident because they were LGBT, such as verbal harassment or physical violence in the last 12 months. However, more than nine in 10 of the most serious incidents went unreported because respondents said it happens all the time. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about Rita and reading that 41% of trans people and 31% of non-binary people have experienced a hate crime or an incident. And again, when I looked at hate crimes, a hate crime is very clearly defined. It's, it's either a hate crime or it isn't. Like it, that's, not, that's not a nebulous term there. Be and that was because of their gender identity in the last 12 months. And the thing that just made me feel really sad was the statistic, um, and it wasn't about murder, but it said that more than two thirds of LGBT respondents said they'd avoided holding hands with a same sex partner for fear of a negative reaction from others. And I thought about Rita and how full of love she was and how many people she had in her life who she loved and loved her. And she went out to the clubs and she had a good time. And, and I can't imagine what that's like to be living that life, but to hold it back because you're afraid. Like, what an impact and a weight that must be to, to live with. And I just think like that needs to change in society and and i do think that cis people we really need to get a grip on it <laughs> with you and also for you because <laughs> to a great degree a lot of us are the problem so i wondered if perhaps we could end on something either something someone did that made a really positive difference in your life and i know melanie i'm really glad you shared about your boss or something that you're hopeful for, because one of the things I learned about Rita was that she was full of hope, particularly for her nephews and, and the younger members of her family. She, she really believed the future could be better for them. So I wondered if there's either something that you hope for 
or something someone did that really was um was a, a gesture of being an ally of being a friend something that stands out to you uh, well obviously the um my boss um his reaction sort of like gave me the start to do what i want to do so it wasn't it wasn't inspiring it was helpful in certain respects and um i don't feel inspired by celebrities of, of any sort really um because i feel that celebrities are in a in a position where they're privileged in that they the press and society looks on them like for instance in in, in the arts and things a lot of people are gay in the arts and it's accepted and in, in, and in theatre and there's a lot of gay people and, and so I don't feel any inspiration from them. I get my inspiration from from other trans people, working class trans people who um, day in day out have to put up with um, abuse. And, and still go about their business as trans people. And I think they're very inspirational and they're, they're the ones that, <clears throat> that I look up to and, and helps me to help the ones that can't stand up for themselves. So they're the people for me and the other people that are really helpful and inspiring and <clears throat> have given me a lot of strength is, is the NHS. Um, their, their willingness to, to try and understand that the LGBT community is, is, is normal, is if that's the right word, is, is a part of human life that should be accepted and not just that trans people have their rights but staff have their rights as well and so they've, they've been a massive inspiration for me because it's opened my eyes a lot um, so, so they're the two big, big areas where I find my inspiration from. It's just the ordinary person in the streams, trans, and the NHS. Thank you, Melanie. And I, I guess for me, um, there's two. I'll, I'll, I'll pick one from both of them. My source of hope, and I actually got involved, funny if you were talking about social media, I got involved in a, a bit of a, a, a spat on social media, but my conclusion to it, and I, I might choke up at this one, was it was about trans children. And what I said, what I was saying was, uh, when at five I was laying star-shaped on the bed, praying to God to make me a little girl way back in 1970, I didn't know what was happening to me. I didn't know where these feelings were coming from. It led to a, a horrendous adolescence and, and, and young adulthood. Um, and because of the fights of my generation, the younger generation now do know 
what gender identity is. They do have a voice to say who they are and they do have a community that's got their back. And these attacks on trans children is a hill worth dying on. I will stand on that hill and fight for trans children any day of the week because they're our future. And it, it's absolutely brilliant that our generation has done that for youngsters nowadays, that more and more people have the confidence to be themselves like my generation never did. And in terms of support, so, so basically what I'm saying is children, they're my inspiration, the fight, the fight for the children. In terms of uh, support, there's a couple I could pick on from uh, a young Afro-Caribbean lad who I was being accosted at a, a bus stop. He was just walking past and without any to do, just said, oi, leave her alone. She's only being herself. And that little microcosm of that total stranger putting themselves in danger to, to stop me being bullied speaks volumes for human nature and what being human is all about. But a cute story I often tell because it touched me really deeply is another instance where I was being accosted on the street by a gang where uh, uh, it started where the girlfriend of one of the, the boys started hurling abuse at me and then all the boys started uh, in on me. And there would have been about half a dozen of them, age 15, 16. So they were only youngsters really. But I noticed that over my right shoulder, there was a very elderly woman, at five foot and a tab end in height. And, and I would have guessed mid seventies, if not older, and she was there and she was listening to it as if the, the aggression was ramping up. And I'm very conscious of her proximity. And at one point, it, there was a silent moment where there'd been early incident, in, uh, insults. And I think they were waiting for the next insult to, for me to have to bat away. <laughs> and she just stepped forward to the ring leader, wagged her finger under his nose and said, what are you, more jealous because she's better looking than your girlfriend? <laughs> and it, it just went boom. <laughs> and that just diffused the whole situation. And she walked off, I walked off, and everybody lived to, to another day. But her intervention was just so stylish. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. And Reese, how about you? I think what's really given me hope is that we're regrouping again um, because COVID, I, I said this before and I really felt this, COVID scattered us. COVID scattered us as a community. You know, we pride hasn't happened. I know there have been some online prides, which is great, but, you know, we haven't been together. Various things. Um, and that impacted my mental health, to be honest. Um, and I'm just really glad that we're regrouping and, and this is part of that, I feel. Um, so that gives me massive hope that we can adjust, we can adapt, um, and we can come together. Lovely, thank you. And Rebecca? Um, 
for me the hope is um and what's inspiring is and i know i've already said it but i wouldn't say it again people like melanie and siosha you shared so much what you've gone through yet you're still willing to get up and fight that corner and you know you're the people that are supporting us to make changes um because i can only imagine because obviously i don't know i can only imagine that it could be quite easy to go through and have those negative experiences and just kind of it, the impact it could have on some individuals in terms of thinking, do you know what, I'm not facing that world and I'm not, I'm not going to stand up and do it because the impact it can have on someone's mental health and physical health um, it, in itself is so much to deal with. So to have people like yourselves stand and fight that corner, despite what you're facing, um, you're helping us face our challenges. So us as a hospital, we recognize we've got challenges and we have, because we are only just at the start of that journey of making those improvements, but you're willing to come along and help us do it. Um, and it could be quite easily for you to not do that. So for me, you're the ones that are inspiring to stand up and, and make that stand and help us make that changes. And for that, we are forever grateful. Um, and in terms of COVID, touching on what Reese has said, I've actually found quite the opposite. I've found COVID has really brought us together because the world has gone online. Yes, it has had a negative impact on so many people, but I've met so many people virtually that I might have never met before. Um, and you know people have felt empowered to actually the impact COVID has had to stand up and make movements so our LGBT plus network staff network has come together um, and have really got actions that they want to work on and I don't know I'm feeling positive that we're going to come out the other end um, of COVID in a in a positive place and going to go forward to making those improvements i'm not when i say a positive place still a lot of work to do but it's we're definitely going in the right direction so um, i'm really grateful to everyone that's involved in in helping us do that and to you heather for pulling this together yeah. again giving us a platform that's the kind of thing people need is a platform to share those experiences without you people wouldn't hear those stories and as we've said that's what makes it so powerful Thank you. I think that's what's inspired me is how many people are out there doing really hard work to change things. And I think, you know, listening to you both share what your experiences have been and what your hopes are for the future. I'm reminded how much you're actually to do this work. You're giving of yourselves. You have to really show up and really give quite a lot of vulnerability as well as the knowledge and the hard won experience that you've got. And it takes a really generous person to want to do that after all the hostility that is around. So I'm, I'm really, really inspired by, by that and really grateful to have received it and to be able to put it out in this episode today. Um, and, and I think if this is modern womanhood, then I am completely inspired <laughs> by it. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. I think it's inspiring. I think it's very powerful indeed. And um, yeah, as, as a sister, I'm so glad that you've, you've shared um, what you want to share about today. And I hope that Trans Day of Remembrance is a day of remembrance and grief and tears for us, but also hope for the future and that things could be better for the, for the children and, and their children. 
So thank you everybody for being involved. And um, I'll try and put some links in the show notes because I mean, people have shared loads of really great resources and things to look at. Um, before thank you, go, you so much. Before yeah, you go, go for it. Before you go, sure. So there's, um, there's a website that publishes the number of people that have. Um, yeah, yeah. Can you pass that on to Heather? Yeah, if, if Heather's not got the link, yes, by all means. Uh, yeah, the, the TDOR, the, 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 the list of names of those that have died this year. Is yeah, that that's right. It's published, isn't it, by some by it, an it organization? Is, yes. yes, that's right. Yes, I can if, if if Rebecca hasn't got it. Yes, I can do that. Mm. I'll include yeah, that information. Yeah. Um and I'll include include some information from um Stonewall. So I think they have some. And then the other organizations you can think of that have got good information that need to go out. Well, can I just, just add Heather on the actual day trans day remembrance on the twentieth of November, um that the LTHT are lighting up and I believe the council are lighting up their buildings purple um as um just to just because we're not out there on that evening, we wanted to show that visibility and that collaborative um, work together. So, um, Millennium Square in Leeds, um, hopefully, many of those buildings will be lit up purple, including some of the hospital buildings. Yeah. Fantastic! That would be a lovely symbol, and perhaps a way for people to share on social media and start a conversation if you've not had one about trans day of remembrance this is my first day celebrating it and knowing it so what a great way to start a conversation what you might want to put a link to sorry heather Go for it. I, I, uh, the I, I, when you was talking about the stats of violence against lgbt or women in general i meant to reference or was going to reference last year 2019 the tuc did the survey of all the member unions so uh, five and a half six million workers on LGBT mm -hmm. issues, which showed that 32% of trans women in the previous 12 months had suffered sexual assault within the workplace, and 22% had suffered serious sexual assault or rape within the workplace so a fifth of trans women that reported back but it's got some really useful stats about uh, sexual aggression against lb anti women i'll include that we'll get all that information there and if people want to learn more and thank you so much for coming along and sharing everything with me it's it's been an absolute pleasure so thank you everybody I'd like to dedicate this episode to trans people across the world, and in particular, the memory of the 350 trans people who were murdered this year. If you've been affected by the topics that we've spoken about in this episode, or you've been a victim of a trans or homophobic hate crime, you can get support at www.stonewall.org. UK. Thank you for tuning in for Words in Mind Kirkley's pandemic podcast update. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can check out our Facebook page and we are at Kirkley's Words in Mind Bibliotherapy. Thanks a lot.